Section 11 of Dog Heroes of Many Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Dog Heroes of Many Lands by Sarah Noble Ives. Chapter 11. Tom, a dog of the Eastern States. When Tom first came to Mr. Allison's, he was a little, black, curly-haired puppy, without a hint of white on his whole coat, his tail was not so plumy then, but it gave good promise, even in those days, of being his glory. You would never have dreamed that he would grow to weigh a hundred pounds or more, as he does now. He gave promise, too, of being a great many things. He was as full of life as a pod is of peas, fairly overflowing with a wriggling activity. The children, Don and Mary, attempted to keep him in the house for their very own when he was small, but he set his tiny teeth into everything in sight, and played such havoc with the window curtains and rugs that they were finally compelled to turn him over to Amos, the hired man, for he was versed in dog-lore and able the better to train him. Amos, it must be confessed, plotted for his favor from the beginning. He knew that there is nothing in the world so safe to tell your secrets to, so charitable to your shortcomings, so ready in sympathy for your troubles, as a dog. So when the puppy made mincemeat of the upholstering on the drawing-room sofa, and was given to the tender mercies of the grizzled old servant, Amos looked very serious but in his heart of hearts he blessed the unfortunate sofa and carried the winsome scapegrace off to the barn now tom you little villain i'm not going to punish you one mite instead i'm going to give you something of your own to cut your baby teeth on lord knows you've got to cut em somehow now this here bit of old harness is just the ticket and it's yours and the rest of the straps and things lying around are mr allison's and when this is all chewed up you can come to me for something else now mind Amos dropped an old bridle on the floor nearby and watched with one eye. The puppy settled down to his own strap, and in due time it was reduced to its component atoms. Amos went out to attend to some other duties, and when he returned the bridle lay untouched, and Tom sidled up to an appeal for more strap. He seemed to catch the spirit of thine and mine, and never again destroyed anything that he did not know was his. An old broken saddle was the joy of his young life. It took him some time to obliterate its shape and comeliness. In fact, he was almost over the destructive age before he got all the buckles loose and the tough leather torn to tatters. When the horsehair stuffing was scattered to the four winds and the last bit of wood and iron unscrewed and taken apart, Tom looked up from the wreck with the joy of a duty well done. He had never had a whipping and never needed one. If Amos accidentally trod on his tail, he would wag it to show that there was no hard feelings. If his paw was stepped on, Tom held it up to be coddled. It was curious that he was not spoiled, but a thing that is solid all through can't be spoiled. The whole family hung on his eyelids. Don and Mary looked upon Tom as their own, and with Amos to help, he was taught many tricks. He seemed to learn them just by looking at you. He would fetch anything Don threw for him, on land or in the water. Don would throw a stone in the pond, and he would go in and fetch the identical stone. Once, however, the stone Don threw was so small that Tom could not find it. He stayed down so long that even Amos became frightened. At last he came up and looked at Don as if to say, No use. Then down he went again, and came up with the biggest stone that he could possibly carry, and laid it at Don's feet, looking so sheepish that everybody laughed. But Tom had to be comforted, for he was ashamed at his failure. But games were not all of life to Tom. As he grew to Dog's estate, he proved himself helpful in many ways. When he was about a year old, Amos handed him the basket containing Mr. Allison's lunch. 
it was sometimes sent to his office in the village when he was too busy to come home tom said amos take mr allison's dinner to him and mind you don't eat it yourself nor drop it take it to mr allison tom looked amos in the eye keenly and understandingly then he clinched his teeth in the basket handle turned tail and trotted off down the street it was not far about half a mile amos followed to see if he had really understood but tom went so rapidly that he was out of sight before amos had turned the last corner there he met the dog coming back but he did not stop to greet amos right past he went and straight home to mrs allison to whom his master had charged him to deliver a note after that he always went with the lunch amos followed a few times and never but once did tom set it down on this occasion just before he turned into main street he saw a dog fight in progress there was a ring of little hoodlums and in the centre a mongrel bull was tackling a fox terrier about half his size it was not an equal fight and it never should have been allowed but those soulless imps were whooping and yelling in unholy glee the bull had the fox by the throat and was choking his life out it was not fair play amos started on a run to stop the tragedy but tom was ahead and he jumped into the thick of it he caught that mongrel bull and thrashed daylight into him and the bull crawled off limping with his tail between his legs like the cur he was amos wound up the affair with a tongue lashing for the imps and when he had seen that the fox was coming to and able to get to his feet he looked for tom but tom was already at mr allison's office carrying the basket as if nothing at all had happened every morning tom met the letter carrier halfway and when there were letters he would come tearing back to mrs allison and give them to her but if there were none he would drag his feet home as if they were shod with lead every evening he would race to the post-office as soon as the train came in to be the first to get the paper the postmaster never kept tom waiting and he would be back on the porch before any one would believe it possible i said every night no not quite sundays at the same hour he would lay as peacefully on the porch as the birds in their little nests and mr allison could say paper to him as many times as he liked tom would simply look at him out of the corner of his eye until his master was fairly ashamed of trying to deceive a dog who apparently was the more intelligent of the two his great delight was to assist amos in driving the cows to pasture and back tom watched every move that amos made until he had mastered the whole method then one morning he astonished the old man by opening the gate himself he did this from the inside pushing back the bolt and throwing his weight on the crossbar after that amos taught him to open it from the other side in a week he had learned to jump up put his paw over the bar and pull the bolt then he would poke his nose through the crack and wriggle until he could swing the gate open after that he had things his own way going and coming and amos had only to potter along and enjoy the sunset then one day amos was busy in the stable with a sick horse and he said to tom run along tom and get the cows tom waved his tail understandingly and was off when Amos came out and looked across the meadow, there was Tom, coming with the cattle. There was a place, too, where a length of fence was down between the lane and the corn, and the cows would fain have turned in and helped themselves to a juicy ear or two. But no, Tom herded them past, not giving them the ghost of a chance. He had left the gate into the cow-yard open, and while Amos watched, those cows were driven in, and Tom shut the gate after them. After that farming was easy for Amos, and as long as Tom enjoyed it, why not? Amos would say, Tom, go and get Frank, and Tom was off, hot foot to the pasture, where he would pick out the big carriage horse and drive him up to the stable. If Amos told him to bring Pet, up came the little mare. There was no longer any bothersome chasing around the lot. 
with a fight to get the bridle on, just to see the horse dodge and turn up at the far end of the enclosure. Tom corralled them, and the rest was easy. Mrs. Allison could never have brought up her family without Tom. He was nursemaid in extraordinary to Don and Mary. After the baby came, the busy mother had little time to follow the older ones around, and one day she said, Tom, keep an eye on Don and Mary. He never left them. If they went near the well, it was, no, no. Tom was in between. If Don climbed a tree, he waited underneath, as if he expected to catch him if he fell. Whatever they did, they had to answer to Tom. One day, when Don was about seven and Mary four, the children, without consulting their mother, planned a little expedition to the woods. The nuts were falling, and the temptation was great. Don laid in a store of cookies from the jar in which Mrs. Allison kept a harmless between-meal variety. Thus provisioned, with his pockets full and more in Mary's sunbonnet, off they went. Tom was with Amos in the garden, and was not invited to the party. Down the road they went before anyone missed them. Then Amos heard their mother calling, here and there, up attic and down cellar, and in the chicken-yard. Soon, with the baby on her arm, she came down to the garden and said, in a frightened voice, "'Amos, have you seen Don and Mary?' "'No, Mrs. Allison.' "'Amos, I'm afraid they are lost. I haven't seen them for an hour or so. I've been so busy helping Sarah make pickles.' "'Now, Mrs. Allison, don't you worry. We'll find them, if they are to be found. Come, Tom.' Tom was up like a shot, all attention. "'Tom,' said Amos, "'go and find Don and Mary.' "'Oh, Tom, find them, please,' said Mrs. Allison. "'Find Don and Mary.' He looked at her, then at Amos, and then, with a woof, he was off down the road, straight toward the woodlot. Amos followed, and just as he turned in under the big hickories by the bars, he saw the youngsters coming back along the tote road that runs through the wood to the swamp lot. Tom was hurting them, and they couldn't have stepped out of the road to save their lives. Mary was crying because she had dropped her cookies and wasn't allowed to go back for them. Don was greatly excited. "'Amos,' he cried, "'there's a big man stealing our nuts.' and he was up a tree shaking them down, and I said to him, Get down out of our tree, those are our nuts, and I stamped my foot just like that, and the man laughed and said I was a shaver, and went right on shaking the tree, and I told Mary to help me, and we picked up a lot. They were Papa's nuts anyway, and the man said, Leave those nuts alone, or I'll cut your heads off, and he got down out of the tree, and Mary began to cry, and I was scared, but I didn't cry, and then, all of a sudden, right between us and the man was old Tom, he just growled something awful, and showed his teeth, and he gave one nip at the man, and he ran like there was a dragon after him, and then Tom made us come straight home, and we couldn't bring the nuts, cause we had to keep going. When the baby was big enough to be intelligent, she followed after the family in her adoration of Tom. He would let her tumble all over him, and pull his black woolly coat. He would stand perfectly still, with the exception of his tail, and let her creep under him, and he would lie like a foolish bit of marble and let her scramble over him, laughing and pulling his ears, or falling asleep between his friendly paws. When little Martha was something more than a year old, there came one of those mellow autumn days when the creeping things that hibernate come out to have a last look at nature. Amos was bringing in a load of pumpkins when he saw Mary and Don running toward him screaming with terror. "'Hello, kids! What's after you? The bees?' Mary's fat little legs gave out, and down she went in the road, but with breath enough, left to keep screaming. Don kept on until he reached the side of Amos's load. "'It's a snake! A big snake!' he gasped. "'He's eating up the baby! He was so big I didn't dare kill him, and we saw you! Hurry! He's in the front yard!' "'Hurry? You may believe that Amos lost no time. 
he left the pumpkins and the horses and went sixty miles an hour around the corner of the house there sat the baby calm as a lily and just about a yard in front of her stood tom very much interested in something amos gave one look and then dropped on the ground with his arms around the dog praising the lord and seeing that tom got his full share there lay the snake and it was a rattler thirteen rattles and a button and all dead as a doorknob amos picked up the baby and started for the kitchen tom gave the rattler one more shake for good luck and then trotted along as if nothing had happened but it was at the fire that tom earned his everlasting glory no one knew exactly how it started probably it was the kitchen flue for it was saturday night and there were beans baking everybody was abed and asleep about three in the morning one of those still nights when smoke settles heavily and sounds do not carry far amos in his loft over the stables awoke to a dream of folks shouting and dogs barking rubbing his eyes he saw a bright light dancing on the wall opposite the window and then with it all he heard a crackling sound and he came broad awake he did not wait to go down the ladder but dropped hand over hand down the rain spout and in half a minute was in the thick of it and it wasn't until afterward that he learned why the whole family had not been caught in the flames and destroyed as the house was tom always slept in the kitchen when the fire which had evidently been smouldering in the back bricks of the chimney burst through the walls and into the kitchen tom was the first to know it he went immediately into action there was a swinging door into the dining room and the rest of the house was open and easy of access into the front hall and up the front stairway he went like a mad thing running up and down barking and pawing at the bedroom doors where he could get in he pulled at the bedclothes whining and barking all the time everyone in the house was awake and hustling in no time mr and mrs allison seized don and mary and little martha and out into the dooryard they went in their little nighties sarah the maid went out over the shed roof by this time the neighbors were all arriving garbed hastily and sketchily and everybody turned to the business of saving what they could of the furniture and clothing mrs allison took great care to save the flat irons in her china teapot and the mirrors and pictures that the good neighbors threw out of the windows created a wreckage that seemed unnecessary but in reality a good deal was saved for the fire had not made much headway before tom discovered it and tom when he saw everyone rushing around became busy as the busiest he began carrying out shoes and slippers and anything he could lay his teeth into he realized the seriousness of the occasion and did his duty according to his idea of the situation all this time the smoke was pouring out of the windows room after room lit up with the window panes breaking and shattering in the heat then spurts of fire and smoke came through the roof crackling and sputtering in the dry shingles the walls leaned trembled and with a roar as if the house were one great sugar barrel on the fourth of july the flames shot skyward and the whole structure caved in a few minutes more and nothing was left standing but parts of two chimneys and a few rafters red like molten iron these too soon sank and there was nothing but a mass of coals ready to get breakfast over the village engine like many other village engines arrived on the scene just as the framework collapsed the fire company were bright and shiny in their red shirts and glazed headgear and they looked the more resplendent in contrast with the huddling shivering dew-wet smoke-blackened neighbors but they were too late and nobody cheered them tom old tom was running from one to another of the family whining and forlorn as a lost soul he tried hard to tell them that he had done his best and just as dawn was beginning to break through and everybody looked at everybody else and realized his own unlovely appearance and that things were over and couldn't be helped it came over mrs allison that her three children were tucked away safely in a neighbor's bed and her husband was safe and she and sarah and tom and if tom had not awakened us she said we should all have been burned in our beds 
we owe our lives to him and the babies are safe and the house doesn't matter hurrah for old tom shouted amos three cheers for him hip hip the crowd burst out with a hearty cheer that shook down the last bricks on the last chimney tom did not know what it meant but he cheered as loudly as the others which set everyone to laughing then they all took one look around the comical smoke-grimed circle and started home mr allison it may be of interest to mention received full insurance for the house and a new home went up over the ashes of the old and tom who was loved and respected before came in for a share of adoration and gratitude to which dogs seldom attain the allisons wouldn't give him away for a marble palace End of section 11